Is there another Spiderling about? We find out in Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows Volume 4. And then get ready for War of the Marvels in Miss Marvel Volume 8 straight ahead. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. Well, we start out with Amazing uh, Spider-Man Renew Your Vows Volume 4, and the title of the book is, Annie, Are You Okay? And I just have to stop there. That is the worst title for a graphic novel slash trade paperback I've ever heard. I, I, I mean, it's like, oh, I want some swashbuckling adventure. Are you okay, Annie? It might almost be appropriate if she was, throughout the book, going through major mental distress. But as we're going to see, that's not the case. So what's up with that title? Now we get into the book itself, and it contains a one-shot and then a four-issue story. The one-shot is Parker Family Vacation, and it's set eight years previously with Peter and Mary Jane going on a cruise. And here I'm going to get a bit nitpicky again. Why exactly did Renew Your Vows jump ahead eight years, do two storylines, and then do a flashback eight years previously? It seems like the writer, Jody Hauser, could have just gone ahead and, I don't know, her first issue, done this uh, cruise story, and then gone eight years forward. But at any rate... Peter and Mary Jane decide to go on a cruise, and Mary Jane really uh, pushed for the vacation, and the real thought behind it is that going on a cruise, you get away from the city and from the sort of crimes and superhero pressures that they have to deal with all the time. They make a good case for why this is a good superhero vacation, and even though superhero vacations tend to be derailed, I think they make some good arguments. Annie is left to with Wolverine and the X-Men for babysitting, and when Peter calls in, he finds that the X-Men are engaged in a fight with a Sentinel, and Annie's involved. But uh, that's pretty much uh, being resolved even as the phone call is ending, so he doesn't worry too much about that. The story does show them having fun and relaxing, getting a massage, watching a stand-up act. It's not one of those books that feels like they've got to throw the heroes immediately into action. The one thing I didn't like is that there are snobs on the boat. Now, while I'm sure that's not unrealistic, that you might find some snobs on a cruise ship, we later see that, of course, not everyone on the cruise ship is a snob. There are a lot of ordinary people who save for their trip. 
And because the snobs don't like superheroes, Mary Jane and Peter leave without dinner. Thankfully, this isn't the only conflict on the boat as Giganto attacks, a sea monster from the Marvel Universe, first summoned by Namor the Submariner in an early issue of Fantastic Four. Peter and Mary Jane don their costumes and go to protect the uh, bystanders and to fight the monster. And when they start to fight the monster, Namor appears and advises that the cruise ship has crossed into Giganto's home and it's suggested by Peter and Mary Jane that the ship be redirected. At that point, the ship's female captain comes onto the deck upset and furious at Namor, screaming at him. But within about a minute, they're making out. Um, To be fair, he is Namor, the Submariner, that sort of thing happens. The crews get canceled, and instead they decide to go on a drive uh, down to Mexico. It's not a bad story. It's... It's nice for showcasing uh, Peter and Mary Jane's relationship, despite the unnecessary snobs. Then we get the four-part story, Weird Science. Annie has a dream about a villain who looks like her attacking people. And it turns out it did actually happen in real life. And Peter is uh, suspicious about it, which really gets Annie upset. Peter goes to the scene of the crime with a wolverine, who sniffs and confirms that Annie, or someone who smells like her, was at the scene of the crime. However, they go to a restaurant and they talk in civilian costume, and Wolverine makes it clear that he doesn't believe that Annie had anything to do with it, that she wouldn't turn villain like that. Annie, meanwhile, gets the sense of something wrong and uh, goes off uh, and changes into costume and confronts her doppelganger, who looks like her but with a monstrous face. She identifies herself as Chelicera. They fight, but Chelicera gets away. Annie tells her parents, and Mary Jane asks what Chelicera means, and Spider-Man responds that it means arachnid mouthparts. And he also comments that they're kind of running out of spider names. That's a good point. Throughout the story, uh, we learn that... uh, the villain behind it, and that it's actually an attempt to get at the X-Men, and that the villain is working for Normie Osborn without Normie actually knowing it's him. And we also get a sense of uh, Spiderling's uh, spider sense being different, and she finally reveals that it does give her a bit of foresight. At any rate, villains have to be dealt with And we get a wrap-up scene where Annie decides she doesn't like the Spiderling codename anymore. And for understandable reasons. It was a fair codename when she was eight. When she's 16, it's a bit too immature for her. She wants Skull Spider, but that's the type of nickname suggestion that shows maybe a little more maturity would be a good idea. Plus, as Peter points out, that sounds like she's the Punisher's daughter. 
And the book has a pretty abrupt end, not just for the book, but for the Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows series, as this is the end of the series for now. Uh, there was further stuff with Annie and Peter and Mary Jane in the uh, Spider-Girls miniseries that tied into Spider-Geddon, so I expect I will read that. Plus, to understand Spider-Geddon, I'm going to need to read Spider-Verse Prelude and Spider-Verse. So Marvel does that. As for this particular book, it does have uh, its problems. There's the title. There's a few of the minor characters in the first story that don't work. And the plots are not all that great. They're pretty standard superhero stuff. But they're well done, and I like the characters. I like this version of Wolverine, who uh, is, you know, a guy who has grown into being a family man with these responsibilities, and a bit of an uncle figure in Annie's life. I like the Peter-Mary Jane uh, marriage, and there are some really sweet moments for that. It's a lot fun read. Not a great story, but I have no problem rating it somewhat classy, and I hope we get more stories with these characters in the future. Now we move on to Miss Marvel Volume 8, War of the Marvels. And at the end of the previous book, the big reveal was that... The luminescent uh, shapes and figures form together around the Modoc slash storyteller babies to reveal Carol Danvers as Miss Marvel. Carol's trying to figure out what happened and how she ended up there. And she says, I was in Hong Kong. How did I get? Where are we? And uh, Carla starts to fly up to her and says, you're supposed to be dead. And then somehow they fly through the roof of the building, and it may be that Carla hit Carol. Um, I can't really tell. However, once in the sky, Carol recovers her memory and her sense of purpose. Right, I remember now you took my name, my old costume. I was going to beat the living hell out of you the first chance I got. And that is the type of dialogue we get in this battle, which really, the dialogue sounds like pure WWE uh, uh, fighting, uh, where uh, she uh, challenges Carla on uh, calling herself Miss Marvel. Oh, please, Carla, you can barely handle being Moonstone. Being an Avenger is a bit beyond your grasp. And Carla says, I'm going to break you. I will keep you in the basement of the Avengers Tower and turn you into my pet. I will be your god. It's just amazingly over-the-top smash-talking, along with amazing over-the-top action. Very well drawn, I should say. And a lot of mayhem happens. However, Carol stops to help a family that, uh, caught in a car that got caught in the crossfire. And Carla goes in to press uh, the uh, advantage to attack her. But Carol just is indefatigable and comes back strong and says Carla's a psychopath, but she is not a warrior. The fight continues on and on until they end up uh, in the air and Carla throws Carol into 
an engine of a plane, and that leads Sentinel of the Dark Avengers to step in and stop the fight because uh, Osborn's decided that she's putting too many lives at risk. And when Norman Osborn tells you that you're uh, being reckless with human life and causing too much collateral damage, that says something. But after the fight, Catherine Donovan finds herself in a bar. Catherine Donovan was actually an identity that Carol opted in the previous volume, but apparently she's got a journalism job and is happy with that. At least she's supposed to be, but she has a sense that something is going on. Uh, Carol does uh, fly to uh, New York in order to attack the Avengers. Meanwhile, Carla gets a strange urge to travel to New York. Meanwhile, Carla is going increasingly on hand. She takes a random uh, civilian, uh, kidnaps him, and drops him to his death. Meanwhile, uh, Carol stages an attack on Osborne's personal residence, does a lot of damage, but is captured by Lily Hollister, who has been enhanced with Goblin Serum. However, at this time, Catherine Donovan shows up in New York City, obviously looking exactly like Carol Danvers, uh, and she's spotted and captured by Venom. However, as Catherine arrives, Carol gets stronger, and as Miss Marvel, she escapes. And uh, it's realized by uh, Carla that Miss Marvel was pretty weak and pretty easy to uh, to be taken in New York City, but in Los Angeles, she was unstoppable, and that she had gained strength since Catherine Donovan arrived in New York City. And so Norman Osborn, as Iron Patriot, engages with uh, Miss Marvel and is taking a beating, but he's really serving as a distraction so that Carla can kill Catherine Donovan. However, before the murder can be completed, Carol arrives and again resumes beating up Carla, who is able to make a break for it. Carla leads Carol away from the building as Norman's Osborne's men closes in on Catherine. And Carla reveals that her whole reason for doing this is to keep Miss Marvel from saving Catherine. And at that, Carol tries to fly back, but Carla starts kidnapping people from office buildings and dropping them so that Carol will have to catch them, thus keeping her from rescuing Catherine, who is killed by Iron Patriot. However, the storyteller babies appear again, furious because they'd worked hard to give Carol what she wanted, with a life without the craziness of being Carol Danvers or Miss Marvel, in giving her the life of Catherine Donovan, and that uh, Osborne ruined that, and that they were going to take action. Uh, they actually fly uh, into uh, Carla, and before doing so, uh, they say, uh, they've taken something from you, Carol, now we'll take something from them, and uh, we find uh, that uh, 
Carla is suddenly confused in the battle and says that uh, her name is actually Catherine. And we learn in the final issue that Carla and Catherine have merged with Catherine, who is a part of Carol, now inside uh, Carla's head, which resembles the apartment she grew up in. And there's a bit of psychological trippiness about what's going on, including Carla meeting her murdered mother. And that leaves Carla to the revelation that she's not Miss Marvel, and that the only way out of this is to become Moonstone. And she becomes Moonstone and expels Catherine, who returns to Carol, and now Carla thinks she can beat Miss Marvel. However, Carol's now been inside Carla's head and has some literal inside information. She knows how Carla's powers work, that they're energy absorption powers, and that she essentially hides the energy of the Moonstone within herself. However, uh, Carol is also able to absorb energy and reaches inside of Carla and pulls out the Moonstone, which pretty much sends uh, Carla crashing down as Carol holds the Moonstone in her hand and puts her boot on Carla's cheek. And Carla begs Carol to kill her, and Carol says she won't because Carla begged for it. And that besides, Carla will die without the Moonstone anyway. However, Osborne uh, talks to Carla and says that Carol doesn't take pleasure in killing, and that if Carol had wanted Carla dead, she'd be dead, and that Carla's only hope, since Carol didn't destroy the Moonstone, is to find it. And we get a flashback to the scene of the uh, battle where Carol is talking to Carla, and pointing out that she could easily kill Carla. But the one thing she wanted more than to kill Carla was for Carla to redeem herself, and offers her a deal. You only have about three days from not right now before your body gives out because of the separation. I want you to think real hard. Figure out the moment you lost the ability to be a human being, and you can have your little trinket back. Because the day you figure out when you became a monster is the day you'll start to pull yourself out of the gutter. And if you can do all of that before your body gives out, you will have the tools you need to stand up to Norman Osborn. If you can do all this, then this war we fought will be over. And then you can finally stop wasting your life and become the woman a mother could be proud of instead of whatever thing it is you've become. And Carla is able to find where the moonstone is hidden and it's at her mother's grave because her supervillain origin story goes back to killing her own mother. Whether she actually learned anything or what comes next is a bit ambiguous. I did like the sequence art-wise, as well as story-wise, and the way that Carol approached it. Overall, there's a lot to like about this book. Now, I will say that there is this element where the book could have totally been viewed as a five-issue fight scene, because there's a ton of action in there, but it's broken up by some character moments, and there are some good plot twists. 
there's a bit of struggle over Carol's identity, and Carlos Sullivan makes a pretty strong villain for the story. The art is really good, particularly some of the flashbacks, and I think the final issue probably had the best art in the book. On the negative side, the cover for the first issue in the trade, issue 42, is really, uh, really bad. The pose that uh, Carla's in is on the cover is just really a bit nasty. That plus uh, you have uh, Wolverine and uh, Deadpool on the cover and they don't really appear. And that may be a situation where issue 42 was meant to do more with those characters and that this got cut down from a five issue, a six issue story to a five, which may have been a good move, but it would have been nice if the covers matched up. Uh, And probably my other frustration with the book would be that Carol is not really the prime mover. It's these uh, storyteller uh, babies and we don't even know their full function. Now, they're not entirely a Dusex Machina, since we have established the storyteller in this uh, series, but they do do a lot of uh, plot movement stuff, and their help, not our heroine, is the key for the story being sorted out. So, overall, I will give the book a rating of somewhat classy. Uh, There's still... uh, you know, great clash, a solid superhero battle, but I really would have liked Carol to be playing a more major role in her own fate. So again, we're giving uh, both books, um, uh, Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, Volume 4, Annie, Are You Okay, Annie? Rating of Somewhat Classy, uh, for many reasons, including the title, and Miss Marvel, Volume 8, War of the Marvels, Some great action here, but the plot has some sketchy points to it. All right, well, that will do it for now. If you do have a comment, email to me, ClassyComicsGuy at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at ClassyComicsGuy. And be sure and rate and review the show on iTunes. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.